from the team at CTS, this is the Time Crunch Cyclist Podcast, our show dedicated to answering your training questions and providing actionable advice to help you improve your performance, even if you're strapped for time. I'm your host, Coach Adam Pulford, and I'm one of the over 50 professional coaches who make up the team at CTS. In each episode, I draw on our team's collective knowledge, other coaches, and experts in the field to provide you with the practical ways to get the most out of your training and ultimately become the best cyclist that you can be. Now, on to our show. Welcome back or welcome to the Time Crunch Cyclist Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Adam Pulford. Today is another Q&A episode because you, the audience, have so many questions. It's it's super fun uh, to see all these questions pouring in. I'm having a hard time keeping up with them. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get right in. But uh, just as a reminder, if anyone is listening here and you have a question about training, nutrition, hydration, recovery, uh, really anything pertaining to the world of endurance sport, submit it to us at trainright.com backslash podcast you'll have a button there that says, ask a training question, click on that, fill out the form. And I work on those questions and answers here on the podcast. So, um, it's, it's pretty fun to be hearing from you and even, uh, uh, Stefano and, and some others have written back and said, Hey, thanks for the answer. And yes, uh, (laughs) two thumbs up. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, you're welcome. It's, it's, it's really fun to do this. So keep them coming. All right, let's dive into today's questions as uh, I'm getting a lot of stuff on strength training. So these are two questions pertaining to strength training. The first one is this. I'm a 77-year-old road racer, senior games venue now. Up until 70 years old, I raced on the Velodrome in California. Prior to that, I was on the road. The question is in AM weightlifting session. So morning weightlifting session here in Maine cannot find out how much weight I should be moving at my age currently at 400 pounds on the leg press. I assume. Yeah. Leg press and 155 pounds on the squat. I'm assuming a back squat, both with multiple reps. How much weight is too much? How frequently hope you can help. Thanks, Sydney. Yeah, Sydney. Um, this, this is a, this is going to be a fun, fun question to answer here. So I would say short answer here. Cause I always give a short answer and then a kind of a longer detailed answer. Short answer is compare you to you, not others. Okay. There's no one weight that you should be doing. Um, and no one weight that you should not be doing other than the weight that may injure you. Okay. So again, compare you to you, not others. Now the detailed answer, use qualitative and quantitative data as your guide to get you closer to your strength training goals. Okay. Let's first start with rate of perceived effort, RPE. This is still the best way of monitoring intensity for seasoned athletes in the, in, in the gym. Okay. So for all, I I was going about to say all, not all, there's a couple, (laughs) but the majority of my athletes, I have them using RPE as the primary guide for intensity in the gym. So what that means, so for example, scale of one to 10, 10 being a max effort, one being super, super easy. That's, that's the 
RPE scale that we're operating with. On harder days with rep ranges of say eight to 10, I'll tell them to make it feel like a seven or eight out of 10. Okay. So this is medium, medium, hard, really hard days with rep ranges around four to six. I'll tell them to make it feel like a solid nine out of 10. So we're not maxing out. Okay. But we're, we are going really hard. And, and when we do that, really what I mean is go up to the point of almost failure. Maybe you could get one more rep out of that, but you're, you're not failing when you do it. When, when we go, when, when I speak in that method, there's, there's another, um, acronym out there that we, that we use in the strength and conditioning world called RIR and that's reps in reserve. And so oftentimes I'll go, you know, without even talking about RPE, Again, this is with a seasoned um, athlete that has been pushing weight around for you know three plus years. You know, I'll just say, you know, go go to where you, I can. You could give me one more quality rep, okay? And I don't even have to use the the fancy acronyms, okay? But that is called reps in reserve. Now, for a more calculated approach, if if anyone is more data driven, you like the numbers or you're curious about the numbers, or even I'd say for an unseasoned athlete to start to really shape up, um, using a quantitative approach here, I encourage athletes to use percentage of one rep max. Oftentimes it's, you know, percentage sign of one RM that's, that's how you would, you would, uh, read that, or that's the short version of it. And you know, I'll link to a chart that the NSCA has produced on this because um, it, it, it's a very helpful chart. You may have seen this in in the gym sometimes, where it's just uh, you know on, on the left hand side there's um, a, a bunch of uh, weight in pounds, kind of going up in ten pound increments, and then across is one to ten, and those are repetitions. So for uh, those trying to visualize this, that, this is the chart that I'm that I'm talking about. So we get to this one rep max by actually doing, you know, it's essentially a field test in the gym. All right. M many of us listening to this podcast, we're familiar with doing, um, uh, field tests on the bike, right? Eight minutes all out the, the CTS method, which is two of those time trials. And then we calculate training zones based on that or the age old, um, go to of a 20 minute time trial. And then we use a percentage of that to calculate, uh, the five training zones from there. So similar to this, in the gym, we can, we can choose a weight where we know we're not going to go over 10 repetitions, but we're going to be somewhere between, I like to use like five and 10, somewhere in there. And we're going to go all out. So we're going to go to failure and then we're going to establish a one rep max. We then use that one rep max and percentages around that to structure the rest of our, tr of our workouts, uh, moving forward into the future. So let's, let's maybe run through a couple examples of that. Generally, when we're, when we're finding a one rep max for an exercise, I'm talking about primary movements or full body explosive exercises like the squat bench press, power, clean, even pull-ups, something like that. So the primary movements, I, I suggest you know, go, going to, and I'll, again, I'll link to this, but the NSCA to, to look at that one rep chart max, but, um, let's see, Sydney, because you used 155 pounds. Okay. Let, let's just use that for an example here. 
Sydney, if if you were to go in the gym and, and do a one rep max, or sorry, if you find a, your one rep max using 155 pounds, I tell you use that weight of 155. Go till you can't have a spotter to be safe, and calculate the one rep max. And let's just say, for example, you did eight repetitions to failure using 155. Based on this chart, we would determine that your one rep max would be somewhere between 190 and 195 pounds, or sorry, 190 and 200 pounds. I'd interpret that just by using 195. Okay. And that would be your one rep max. Now, similar to on the bike, we've got ranges to kind of fit within all this stuff. If you were, and I'll, and I'll post all these numbers too, because it gets a little, uh, numbery when I'm just talking about this on the podcast, but for developing strength, this is like just sheer raw strength, picking something up, maybe a little bit slowly and you're grunting. That's what we talk about with strength. Okay. Repetitions of four to six, and we're going to be using something that's greater than 85% of your one rep max. Okay. When we're trying to develop power, this has velocity to it or speed. So this is still pretty heavy, but we're going to move the weight more quickly. We can use repetitions anywhere between like one and five when we're developing power. Typically I'll, and, and then, so these, these percentages, by the way, are coming from the NSCA as well as what I use in my own practice. When we're using, when we're training power development, I'm using 80 to 90% of one rep max for repetitions of one to two. So notice how we're not going all out here. It's 80 to 90%, but for one or two repetitions and to develop this power or, you know, speed with weight, um, we can still use that rep range to do that. Then if we're, we can still develop power by using 75 to 85% of that one rep max and use repetitions of three to five. Finally, something, you know, if you're in the strength training world or you've been lifting for a while, you've heard the term hypertrophy. This also refers to like muscle growth, muscle strength, muscle growth, sometimes size. Um, we're going to be using 67 to 85% of that one rep max and repetition range of six to 12. Finally, with muscular endurance, we'll be aiming for less than 67% of one rep max and then aiming for repetitions that are 12 plus. I don't go there on a very regular basis, okay, for endurance athletes because we do so much endurance training in our primary sport. We don't need that. So primary takeaway, and then the whole reason why I went through all the numbers and talked through that, focus on one through three. So strength through hypertrophy. And that is going to be probably the, the most essential aspect for us as endurance athletes. Okay. And you want it. And I've talked at length about this on other episodes and when to target this. Okay. But, um, I wanted to give you those percentages cause I haven't ever talked about one rep max and the percentages and how we structure up, um, some of these workouts on the podcast before. So I hope you find that useful now to that Sydney. Again, that was the primary, um, exercises that we talked about. There's also something called accessory movements or, the other stuff. Okay. And and they don't typically get assigned a percentage of one rep max because, um, the, the muscle groups that we're targeting, they're usually smaller muscle groups are usually isolated to one or two. And, you know, it doesn't have the same cost to the central nervous system, like the primary or, or bigger movements that we just talked about uh, above. Additionally, these accessory movements, 
so these things are like bicep curls, cable rows, hamstring curls, things like that. They usually, <laughs> it's pretty binary in, in the way of when there's failure, okay, with a very low risk associated with it. So if I'm doing some bicep curls and if I get tired, I just set the weight down. Pretty simple. But if I'm doing a back squat and I go to failure and I can't lift that weight up, there's a lot more risk and potential injury that occurs there. So this is why, um, you know, in general, those accessory movements don't have the percentage of one rep max, just go RPE based on feel once again. And that's going to, that's going to get you there. So Sydney, I, I hope that helps, um, kind of shore up of how much weight you should be doing and when and why, because when we look to the kind of that periodized model, and when we start to look at the numbers associated with everything, I think that answers your question. But keep in mind, if, if you're in the gym and you're getting after it and you're doing hard sessions and keeping the easy days easy, that's what's, that's, what's so important. Don't compare yourself to others, just you to you make sure that you're progressing every month. All right. Question number two, I'm using the time crunch training plans. Should I put strength sessions on interval days or on one of the off days? And that's coming from Jason. Yeah. Uh, short answer. Typically we want to keep the easy days easy, hard days, hard and rest days rest. Uh, very, um, man, I'm, I'm saying that on every podcast these days and uh, all your listeners are probably getting sick of it, but I'm going to preach at home. And so typically I'd say based on my experience, based on the latest research out there, and I talk in depth about this with Steven Seiler on an episode previous in the 100s, something like that, um, where if you flip the anaerobic switch on a day, meaning you do interval days, typically, if you have it, if you have the time, I would put the strength training days on the same day as the interval days. And that goes, and that goes into a whole host of reasons, but it's grounded in keep the hard days hard. Meaning if you flip the anaerobic switch, keep it going and increase the training density of that day via the bike and the weights. And that, that would be the most ideal. However, now let's get into the long answer. <laughs> um, if you have time, you're, uh, oh, boy, yes, you can put it on uh, one of the rest days, but let's, let's clarify that. If you have time, your overall training is low you're hitting all the other sessions. Okay. All the other bike sessions and everything else. Um, you know, green days on training peaks, you're getting your sleep. You have good recovery habits. Overall life stress is low. Then sure. Add another session to the week. Okay. And if you're taking two rest days and that's the other thing that I'm kind of assuming in this, Jason, I don't know, you can write back and, and, uh, tell me more details, but if you have two rest days, yeah, I'd, I'd slot in an extra strength training day. Cause oftentimes with a time crunch cyclist, you've got only, you know, one to like 60 to 90 minutes per training session. And it's kind of, and that's per day, right. Um, to get training done. And so doing a two day or two, two days, if you're doing two strength training, um, sessions in a week that can be pretty challenging. So I typically would, if I'm working with somebody who's training six to eight hours per week and they only have 60 to 90 minutes, um, per day to train, I would add in a, um, a session, a strength training session on one of those like rest days. So there's no longer a rest day, keep in mind and just make sure that you're sleeping, you're recovered and you're, you're, um, going into, you know, the other hard training sessions, fresh and ready to go. Keep in mind, you still, 
probably need that rest day, um, once every, you know, five to seven days. So keep it in there. But yeah, I, I, I would definitely say, yeah, put in the strength training as opposed to skipping it. Right. So if you're sitting at your, let's just assume you're a desk job or something like that, and you don't have a ton of movement, um, going on in your daily life, adding in that other session can be good for, um, overall health and, and well-being. Okay. Cause now you're strengthening, you're adding value to your muscular system, your, your, the bones in your body, the range of motion, all this other stuff that's off the bike and health related. And that will, um, <laughs> that will definitely offset or, or, uh, uh, the value of just taking a pure rest day, sitting at your desk when maybe you would have the time otherwise. Okay. I hope that makes sense. Now I, I would not do this if three things, one, you're not a good sleeper Two, if life stress is high and it's like you're struggling to get every session in or three, you're already not getting your other training sessions in. Okay. So adding more will not help your case. If you're already kind of like hanging on to, to hit the, that time crunch cyclist sort of, sort of program. So I, let's summarize both of these topics. Um, so summary of question one, um, to how much weight should we be moving in the gym? So rate of perceived effort is still one of the best modes of monitoring exercise in the gym. Um, the RIR is another way of expressing RPE or communicating how hard it is to go in the gym. So that's, um, and that's another way of just communicating that that's reps in reserve is really what we're talking about. If you can do intensity up to the point where you can give me one more rep, but don't do it. That's that's reps in reserve using the one rep max chart can help, uh, identify limits maximum or like the edges of your physiology. And that can help clarify the percentages of, uh, weight that you should use moving forward for future training sessions. And one rep max guide charts from the NSCA is foolproof. I've been, I've been using that one for years and years and it, it works with pretty much every athlete that I've ever worked with. Summary to the second question is when training volume is overall low, six to eight hours for a time crunched uh, cyclist, and you have good habits already established, adding in a strength training session to your overall plan can be a healthy thing. Even if that means you're doing away with one of the two rest days that may be in the plan already, this can add strength and performance, um, both to the bike and off the bike in general life. And I think that's a very healthy thing, but I wouldn't do this if you're already not sleeping well, you're already stressed out, or you have a hard time getting in all the other, um, training sessions in the week. So if you have the capacity, definitely do it. Strength training is, is a very healthy thing to add in, but not if you don't have the time or um, <laughs> the, the bandwidth to do it. So uh, we'll keep this episode nice and tight to around 20 minutes. Thank you all for listening. And if you're enjoying this Q&A format, don't forget to uh, tell others about it. Okay. Uh, because when, when you share this with, um, other athletes who are interested, that helps get the word out, um, to more people. And that helps us keep on developing shows like this. And also if you have a question, tell us or ask us and we'll answer it here on the podcast. Thanks again for listening over now. Thanks for joining us on the time crunch cyclist podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. Three quick things before you take off. First, 
head over to trainwright.com backslash podcast and submit your training questions you'd like to hear answered on future episodes. If you enjoyed the show, leave us a review on Apple podcast and share the episode with your friends. This is the best way that you can help support the podcast so we can continue to produce free content to help you improve your performance. Lastly, if you want even more actionable training advice, head over to trainwright.com backslash newsletter and subscribe to our free weekly publication. Each week, you'll get in-depth training content that goes beyond what we cover here on the podcast that'll help you take your training to the next level. That's all for now. Until next time, train hard, train smart, train right.